Patchwork is a podcast from the Office on Violence Against Women at the U.S. Department of Justice in Washington. Patchwork offers a glimpse behind the scenes of a legal movement called the Violence Against Women Act, or VAWA. VAWA provides federal grants to help women at local, state, and national levels. Patchwork explains how VAWA awards are made, shows what happens after funds arrive in communities, and shares stories of help and hope. Patchwork brings you the voices of people on the front lines combating domestic and sexual violence. Our efforts to serve victims and hold offenders accountable create stories that knit us together and propel us forward. Welcome to Patchwork. Welcome to Patchwork. Kim Day is a sexual assault nurse examiner, which has been come to be known in the field as SANE. In many ways, Kim helped define SANE for the nursing field. With more than 40 years of nursing experience, she began focusing on sexual assault nursing and forensic nursing back in 1998. OVW is recognizing Kim for her contributions to the field as she celebrates her retirement from the International Association of Forensic Nursing, where she has served as Grant's project director. Kim's impact has been far-reaching. She has helped develop and coordinate SANE programs across the nation in big cities and small towns, as well as tribal communities that face challenges from being remote. Directly and through her course development work, she has helped train countless nurses in forensic examination protocols that are so important following a sexual assault. Before we get started, I just wanna give a short disclaimer. Through Kim's work, countless victims of sexual assault have taken their first steps toward becoming survivors with the help of compassionate nurses. And during our discussion of her work, we may venture into areas that can be difficult to hear, especially for the many sexual assault survivors who are listening. I wanna remind everyone that help is available 24 hours a day by calling 1-800-656-4673 or going online to rain.org. That's R-A-I-N-N. Org. And we'll put those links on our website. Kim, I'd like to start with the question of how you got into this line of work and what led you to this moment in your life. Thank you so much for having me. Um, as you said, I've been a nurse for about 40 years, and my main focus had always been working in critical care or the emergency department. And in 1990, I was um, my husband was transferred to Amarillo, Texas. And in Amarillo, one of the first SANE programs in the United States was functioning well in the emergency department that I started working in. And in fact, the director of that emergency department was Jamie Farrell, who is one of the founding kind of founding mothers of the field of um, sexual assault nurse examiner care. Um, the program there ran smoothly. It was wonderful. I was an ER nurse and you could see how the patient would come in the door and the same nurse would take over their care and care for them through the whole visit to the emergency department. And that was my first experience working with that type of program. And it was wonderful, really. Now, if the patient was really injured, very bravely injured, that same SANE nurse, SANE, would come into the trauma room and participate in the response to that trauma. And if 
any nurses are listening, they'll understand what that kind of um, ballet of trauma response is. But that saying fit perfectly into that and was there to document things and collect forensic evidence when it was necessary rather than having it be thrown on the floor and lost. And then I was only there for a short period of time as uh, my husband worked for the federal government and we were transferred once again. Um, and I moved to the East Coast, started working in a community-based emergency department that did not have a SANE program. And there I was exposed to what is normal in the majority of emergency departments across the United States. When a sexual assault patient would come in, the staff would either avoid the room or even draw straws for who had to take care of this patient that was potentially experiencing the worst day of their life. After working in a facility where there was such a orchestrated response, it was glaring and, and really difficult to be in that situation where I, I knew the response could be better. Boy, that, uh, that takes us right to that critical moment because here is a patient who really has dramatically uh, unique needs. And the drawing straws, I can imagine that is because of fear and trepidation that they don't know how to do what they need to do. Talk a little bit about that juncture right there. Well, that is, that is the piece that's, that, that same can fill you would um, be unfamiliar with what you were doing. And here I was a nurse with years and years of experience and I could take care of a patient on an, with an inner aortic balloon pump in without any issues at all. But here this person comes in after a trauma and like visibly on the outside may look like nothing's happened, but really has experienced trauma just as much as somebody that's been in a really bad car accident. And I would have to read the directions in the box to take care of them. And I call it the box, but the sexual assault kit. And that is a terrible experience for the nurse, as well as the patient who's looking at somebody reading instructions. So you're, you're training nurses to, to be prepared, to be helpful here. What, what do you teach nurses uh, is the goal right then in that moment for the patient? Well, the goal for the patient is to really mitigate any long-term effects from that trauma because violence really is a healthcare issue because it can impact the long-term health and recovery of an individual. Um, and, and so your job as a nurse or doctor that comes in to take care of that patient is to first do no harm and then be able to um, help them move forward from this incident and protect, prevent any potential consequences that, that may be a result of that instance. And so training nurses, um, we can teach certain um, principles. For instance, uh, don't read the directions in the box. What you do is you talk to the patient and you find out what's happened to them and then you do your care plan from that complaint. I, I actually have a, a colleague and a friend who always says that healthcare providers lose their mind in the presence of the box. 
And that's what we see. People are uncomfortable with that. Is that because it's a it's a criminal legal it's it's evidence collection are they is it because this is something that may go to court or what what's the shift for nurses who are otherwise very comfortable in their environment i think that you hit it right on the head it is the potential interaction with the legal system that scares people and what is really kind of silly if you think about it because every single patient that we see in an emergency department has a potential to really have some sort of legal experience. But when we look at this, this is, this is one of the factors to consider is that less than 10% of the patients that we see after a sexual assault, so less than 10% ever end, see the inside of a courtroom. However, 100% of them have a risk of long-term health consequences as a result of the violence. So once again, your focus still needs to be on that healthcare response to that patient. You know, helping people in the worst moment of their life is really a, a privilege for emergency medical providers. Talk about your experiences um, being there for people in this moment. There must be some um, moving times that as a provider, um, make it, make it feel worthwhile. It always feels worthwhile. It always does. Um, you can have a patient that comes in the door, just devastated or, um, angry because the gamut of emotions is what you see in people, which we see in everyday life. One of the things that probably is most vivid in my memory is um, a patient that would that came in and really was had been into the into our facility multiple times and was really treated poorly. Um, they, in fact, the report I got when I came in to see that patient was they're 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 really acting out. We think they need to be restrained. Um, they, they did have a mental health um, underlying condition. And when I went into the room, the patient was really angry, but the anger was directed towards the people that had really responded negatively and not even taken the time to sit and listen. And this is, this is what is really great about being able to be a sane and called in or on duty to be able to respond to that patient. Your job at that time is that one patient. You have, you're able to focus on that one patient and not have to worry about 20 others. Just sitting down and, and listening is often the thing that will allow them to be able to then be able to tell their story. And really it is their story that, you, that you're given the privilege to listen to. One of the other critical components of this is the um, partnership with victim advocacy. I would be really neglectful to not mention them as a really critical component to this response. How so? How does that partnership work? Well, usually um, in some places there are victim advocates that work or social workers or 
uh, some other name they might be called that work actually in the emergency department. Others, you have to call them in. And when they respond also, those are the people that um, I respond and I take care of the immediate clinical needs of that patient. Um, the advocate comes in, has been there before with multiple other people that have actually experienced the, the same thing. They're able to walk out the door with the patient and continue that walk through the legal system. I don't walk out the door with the patient. I don't know, I, I, I know in general what happens after they leave. And I, if, I, if they decline to have an advocate with them, which I discourage, um, then I can kind of generally tell them what happens, but the advocate knows intimately what the process is, how to get um, something like an order of protection, how to, how to know what happens next in the legal process if the victim or the patient decides that's what they want. If they don't want that, then they also can offer services generally, like counseling services, the ability to um, even things like safe shelter if the patient is in danger at home. So that, um, I do think that SANE are the bridge between the legal system and the patient. The advocate is like the bridge between everything in that whole process. You know, your career has taken you a long way from that emergency department in Amarillo. Um, how do you see the field differently today uh, over the course of, of your career? What's, what's changed? You know, there's there's something some some of the messages that we're giving are the same as they were 20 years ago, probably 30 years ago. There's traditionally and continuously a lack of support for sane services at the facility level, which is really too bad. Some some states have managed to overcome that, have centralized programs and. Um, some places actually have multi-service. They offer services to any victim of unintentional injury. So that would mean even car accidents, um, gunshot wounds, stab stabbing, strangulation, sexual assault, child abuse, elder abuse, all of, of the whole range of impacts that violence or abuse can have upon a patient. A forensic nurse is actually the one to see those patients because we can document what's happened to them and get a really good history. Because even if the patient doesn't want to have the box collected in a sexual assault, that history is really important. Is this taught much in nursing schools these days? It really isn't. It's not taught in nursing school and or, and or in medical school. Um, there are people that are working to try and get that changed, but, but no, it's generally not. It would have to be something that somebody would request to do outside of the undergraduate nursing programs. And usually what happens is you, that you pursue this after you get your registered nursing. When a nurse takes specialized training to become the same, it's done after they're a registered nurse. You have to be a registered nurse with experience. You have to be able to have really pretty strong assessment skills. That means that you can look at the patient's body, understand what's normal, understand what's not normal, and what may be a variation of normal. 
and be able to document that. And generally, a brand new nurse is just getting their feet on the ground, and they don't have those years of clinical experience behind them. So they take the classroom training, then they do the clinical training, and that's one change that we've seen over the past probably 10 years or so, is it used to be that the nurse would have to get on the job training and take care of patients who were in acute trauma and practice because nursing is practice, but it was, it was really difficult to get that clinical experience and be taking care of a patient. When I took my training 20 years ago, I was one of those that had to learn by watching an, another nurse collect the kit, take care of the patient, and then I would have that nurse watch me with another patient. And that's the way we got our clinical skills, not being able to go to a area where it's, um, it's a classroom, really. It's a hands-on classroom, which is wonderful now. So that, that's one new, really good change. We also have now several high volume forensic sites that see all kinds of patients around the country. There are some programs that see thousands of patients a year through their forensic nurses. And those programs often have offered to have a preceptor program where the nurse can come in and actually work with a experienced examiner to be able to get some hands-on clinical care with patients. And that's new too, which is wonderful. A lot of the nurses, even if they're experienced, are really afraid of testifying in court. Working with the Indian Country Training Initiative, we created a um, three-day expert testimony class where we bring nurses and prosecutors in from around the country and they work together, they get a full day and a half of training, and the next day and a half is spent in a courtroom with a judge, with a prosecutor, with a defense attorney. One, the prosecutor is the student, and they're practicing with an expert, which is the nurse student, and the other faculty, and we work through um, scenarios and the nurses will practice testifying and the prosecutors will practice having a nurse to testify. Really fun training. How important is it for nurses who are entering the field to have this extra education? I, I think it's important. It's really important. I don't think that Every nurse needs to specialize as a sexual assault nurse examiner. I think just like I decide after I graduate from nursing school that I want to specialize in emergency nursing, I would also think that this would be a specialized area of care. One thing that we also see is that, um, that nurses that are sane can um, go on to specialize and see all types of victims of violence. And generally then they're called a forensic nurse examiner. And in some places, a saying is a, called a forensic nurse examiner. And we are seeing as a trend across the country that in larger institutions, 
like the one I was in in Amarillo, the nurses are re responding to all victims of violence and abuse. What advice do you give to the to the new nurses? What uh, what do we need to be focusing on now? What do we need to be trying to do better in in coming years? The most important thing for any any new nurse that's embarking on this journey to be able to provide expert care to these patients that have experienced trauma, violence, is that you are a nurse and this is a patient. And that is the most important thing that you must always keep in your mind. Your role is to be able to help them through what's happened to them. It's not to solve a case. You're a nurse and you have a patient. In the end, if that's what you rely on, your nursing practice, your nursing skills, your compassionate care of the patient, that is the win. So that's what's most important is the patient in front of you. Kim, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time and all the work that you've done in this area. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you for listening to Patchwork. We want to hear from you. Please let us know how you like this episode and what you'd like to hear on future episodes. You can email us at patchwork.usdoj.gov. You can tweet us at OVW Justice, or you can just give us a call, 202-307-6026. Thanks to Min Ha and everyone here at OVW, and thank you for listening.